Hello and welcome to the Gen Explainers podcast. Today, we revisit a popular and significant album from the past, one we're not very familiar with, or perhaps we didn't give it a fair chance at the time of its release. So after giving it a fresh listen, we'll weigh in to find out if it lives up to its reputation. This is Revisionist Discography. It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication leads to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble you on every station. Someone play young Lauren like she done. And on today's revisionist discography, we're looking at the album The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And this is an album that uh, was popular and influential and critically acclaimed. It was number 10 on the uh, Rolling Stone 500 Best Albums of All Time. Have either of you before this uh, had any uh, exposure to this album? Have you listened to it? Have you Just heard? single singular tracks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just heard singles. Yeah, I think I maybe heard one or two on the radio or something or... You know, but I didn't really, it didn't really, uh, I didn't listen too closely. I guess I'll put it that way. Was that terrestrial radio? Yeah, I'd heard uh, a couple of songs, maybe on the radio, terrestrial radio. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was not familiar with the whole album. I I did uh, remember that it was a very popular album and much talked about album uh, by critics and whatnot. So uh, why don't we get a little background on it? Uh, Mike, what do you got? What do you got for us? Well, the album came out on August twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it debuted at number one on the Billboard two hundred chart, uh, mm. and it sold over four hundred twenty two thousand copies in its first week alone, which broke records for first week sales for any female wow. artist. So it debuted at number one. I think the reasoning being the reason being she was in a band before that that was pretty popular which was the fujis fujis right ready or not here i come you can't hide gonna find you and take it slowly you can run away but she broke uh records for uh, first week sales for any field artist before her mm-hmm. um obviously i'm sure there's been some since like queen b <laughs> um, but um, uh, wait, the, can, can they hear my eyes rolling? <laughs> but, I'm gonna have to come up with an audio cue that means Alan is rolling his eyes. <laughs> and then the next year at the Grammys, uh, she won five awards, um, receiving uh, more nominations in one night than any female artist before her, especially from hip hop, too. Um, mm. uh, which uh, this was the album that really started bringing more hip hop into pop music um, and became the album that shifted the landscape for female artists in hip hop because they were no longer arm pieces um, in videos and arm pieces in, in music. But they I can't were... believe you said that. <laughs> but they... <laughs> That's arm pieces, really? But, uh, but, but, but essentially, uh, she started... Uh, creating a new sound that was classified as Neo Soul. Mm. And this was the album that really transformed that, uh, the music. Yeah. It, it feels like there's a lot of different, um, influences going into it. The R and B soul, reggae and stuff like all different places yeah. that you brought in. And, and actually this was a quote, not from me. It's, it's from uh, review was it's one of the few near perfect albums of any genre. They say, because uh, it brought hip hop to the mainstream. Because before that, it was 
not really that respected of a genre. Uh, a lot of times they people considered it to be uh, lower art um, because of the, the content. And she mm. added like all this new content like uh, religion and, and made emotions uh, much more uh, relevant in the music for hip hop. They consider this to be the one where the Grammys really started taking notice of the genre, too. And mm -hmm. so that's it. She elevated it because of that. And the album of the year is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. At the Grammys, she, uh, she made history at the 41st Grammy Awards when she was the first hip hop artist to win the Grammy for album of the year. She also was the first woman to take home five Grammy Awards in one night. You know what, this is so amazing. I, I thank you, God. Uh, thank you, Father, so much. This is crazy, because this is hip-hop music, and you know what I mean? It's like, you know. Broke uh, the genre, sort of more mainstream, and really changed it by adding that um, sensibility of, maybe you could say vulnerability, or at least more emotional honesty kind of thing. Yeah, I can, I can hear that in the album. Um, well, some of that was being done, but yeah, it, it really popularized. It was a big, big record, like the Roots had been doing. And even with the Fugees, right. they had been doing like live instrumentation along with like recorded elements. It's very soothing and it kind of pulls you in. And it really, uh, I understand, I can see why it was so widely popular. And I, and, and I know that others had done it, but I think she was one of the first noted or popularized um how she mixed uh, rap styles with the uh, vocalized singing too, which uh, which is a yeah. what the album does a lot of. And and no one, I was actually talking about this with my partner the other day. I don't think anyone is as well equipped to blend singing and rapping as Lauren Hill. She's such a good singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously the title of the album is Miseducation of Lauren Hill. It starts with a little intro. That is a sounds like it's in a classroom and a teacher is asking students about different things, mostly about love and what it means to be in love. And this becomes a theme within the entire album. It sort of shows up in other songs, um, sort of setting a tone and a theme um, with like the intro has a little roll call and then uh, the motif goes through the whole album. Um, so if I were to choose the, my favorite tracks from it, I'm gonna look at my little listing here. I gave numbered numbered ratings for each track. I did too. Um, Lost ones. I used to love him, featuring Mary J. Blige. Um, every ghetto, every city, everything is everything. And tell him. Yeah, those are the ones I liked. Um, how about you guys? You want to sort of give your highlights? Well, I, I sort of ranked them rather than give scores to each one. That's um, fine. You can rank them. Rank uh, them all day. But um, but my top one actually was Every Ghetto, Every City. That was my top track. I just really thought that was a powerful song, uh, talking about her childhood, you know, growing up and her experiences and the instrumentation in it. I thought was amazing it, it reminded me of a lot of classic r&b but with a, a new new kind of sound the classic r&b thing you mentioned yeah I, I actually have it that i think there's a clavinet in it like superstition and that's such a funky like 
uh, callback to that feel. Way before the record deal, streets that nurtured Lauren Hill made sure that I never go too far. Every ghetto, every city, and suburban place I've been make me recall my days in the New Jerusalem. Um, and then my second my second favorite happened to be Everything is Everything. I just really like that song a lot, uh, just lyrically and vocally, and also just everything, the in instrumentation too, the, what it was saying. Um, I'm just going to go to top five. Uh, my third one was X Factor, which I had heard before, of course, and um, I really, really enjoyed the song. Um, I just I Having heard the whole album, I just other tracks just stood out to me uh, as higher than that. Uh, my fourth one actually was the cover of Can't Take My Eyes Off You, um, which I thought was a really great uh, revisioning of that song. Um, and then my fifth one was uh, When It Hurts So Bad. Um, and I, it's not a song I typically like, but for some reason I really liked her voice in it. I liked the lyrics and I liked, again, the instrumentation of it. It's another solid song, but songs are starting to blend together in my mind at this point. Are they feeling, I'm, I'm having a hard time differentiating them from each other. And it's not saying that they're bad in any way. They're very, very good. But they're not, it would be hard for me to pull them out um, from the other ones. Now, the ones I gave my highest ratings were the ones that I felt stood out. And maybe that's just because I'm listening to the album first time all the way through. And then when one hits, I mean, they're all good. I'm enjoying all of them, but they're feeling sort of same-ish as far as how I'm emotionally reacting to them. And then when one hits that's different or does something different and really stands out, I, I rated it higher. So anyway. Uh, so I didn't really use numbers or rankings, but uh, I do know the songs that really leaped out at me, the songs that I wound up singing to myself later after I... Yeah, I I should just back up. I had heard tracks from this album. I had never listened to the album all the way through. I've now since listened to it several times. And Lost Ones was one of my favorites and does get stuck in my head. I'm in the shower. You may win some, but you just lost one. Mm -hmm. And Final Hour, Everything is Everything. And every ghetto, every city. And I would also say, yeah, do what that thing. Really good. One thing I love about the album, because of my personal taste, it has a sort of a old school feel. I mean, it's new school or contemporary school production value neo soul <laughs> neo soul but it has like elements of old of the older like rap it has the scratching of the beats and it has the uh i don't know it feels old school even though it's completely a new way to present it and i think that's maybe the, a big strength of the album is that it's the way the music is arranged and produced is very old yet new you know, and it's and, and actually because we're listening to it years, years later, I find it to be kind of timeless. It's still really good. It still really pleases my ear. It it it, it is timeless, and I and I think that what 
all, all the all the things she t- sings about in the songs, like the topics and everything, are still relevant. Yeah, yeah. These the issues she's singing about are didn't go away. It was also like I was reading about how this album she brought in so much of her own personal life into it, uh, like the song to Zion, mm-hmm. uh, which is her about her son Zion, um, and she wrote this whole album when she was actually pregnant with him, and um, that song didn't stand out to me until I read the story about it. Right. Um, yeah, because actually I didn't realize it was a person Zion. I thought it was a more of a conceptual. Yeah, that's what thing I thought about too. Holy Land or something. That's what I thought too. And then when I read about it, and then I went back and listened to it, I'm like, oh, she talked no. about she, the beginning starts out with the curve in her belly and all that stuff. And it's right. like, and I, and I didn't really think about that when I first heard it. And it's interesting because uh, I listened to it twice. Um, the first time I listened to it just playing on my computer, blah blah. blah. But on the way here, I put it on my iPod and listened to headphones, and I had a completely different experience with the album yeah let me say this album certainly certainly this album headphones good headphones from a source that isn't overly compressed it really really sounds great it really does Mm -hmm. sound fantastic it's just phenomenal the inventiveness of of the arrangement the way it brings everything together i think I remember Lauren uh, reading something about Lauren Hill saying, I just ordered every instrument that I loved and we just added them all in. We mm-hmm. figured out where they could fit in. And you can feel that like there's, there's harps, there's flutes, there's clavinet. She was heavily influenced by Stevie wonder. So, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. And we've talked a little bit about the arrangement the instrumentation the musicality of it but we haven't mentioned the band that she worked with yeah newark there is some contention about maybe they didn't get as much writing credit as they perhaps deserved mm-hmm. so uh it, it i so i don't think you can talk about this record without also talking about them and what sure. they brought to it yeah and to think that you know she was with the fuji's the score came out in 1996, was huge. Then she puts out this record two years later. It's also huge. She's 23 years old. I mean, that's phenomenal. I'm thinking maybe she was a little disenchanted with the music industry. Huh, fancy that. Um, so maybe that's why she didn't continue uh, with new material. Maybe. I don't know. She was going through some stuff. I don't know. I haven't talked to her lately. <laughs> But um, she has released some songs, but yeah, she never put out another record. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, she, yeah, she's had like, I think they said something like 20, 20 singles, uh, but only one album. Yeah. And she did a lot of collaborations. Oh, yeah. She, um, she's she's out, done a lot over the years. Definitely. Yeah. Just, just not a full album. Some reunion work with the Fugees. Right. Right. Yeah. Despite the acrimonious uh, elements <laughs> to the Fugees that are present on like half the songs on this record yeah i i, I do like that um the people the, the the guest artists she collaborated with on certain songs she utilized them exactly in the kind of songs they were um, great for right. i mean because uh, uh, like Z- to zion carlos santana it's like yeah no, it, it, it's mm. like just it, it is a perfect way to use him for that song mm-hmm. uh mary j blige having her come in with a song d'angelo even though like it wasn't one of our favorite songs she utilized him because he's known for his love songs. And so right. that's what his, his biggest hits are, his love songs. <laughs> Nothing even matters at all. 
Your love makes me feel ten feet tall. Without it, I go through withdrawal. Oh, let me just remind everybody. Um, you can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found, but also you can go to YouTube, find Gen Explainers there, and you can watch it with pretty pictures um, or pictures of us. Um, or you could uh, support us on Patreon. Here I am doing the old call to action. Um, for as little as a dollar a month, you have access to uh, to uh, bonus material. Uh, and if you want to do a uh, price of a cup of coffee a month, $5.00, you get all, you get everything. You get the extended podcast, but you also get uh, recordings that we do that I don't release anywhere else. Um, not even to us. Like, and, I've never heard them. And sometimes we're not wearing pants during it. So, you know, oh, that's worth it. Sometimes we are. <laughs> anyway, that's my plug. Go to Patreon, see what there is to offer, uh, and see if you want to support the podcast so I can buy the little. Uh, metal hardware so i could actually put the microphones on stands for us uh that'd be, be nice it would be nice because it was a technical nightmare earlier i'm not going to talk anymore about it let me tell you that everything is so why don't we talk about our uh, our verdict on this one uh, this album was as we said Extremely critically acclaimed and very popular, best-selling. Um, do we feel like it is warranted? I do think it's warranted. Um, I I think that it was a for the time period it was a groundbreaking album. I do feel it's timeless. I do feel that she's talking or singing about uh, elements that are relevant to today as 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 much as they were back when the album first came out. And I think artistically, it's a beautifully done album. Um, so yeah, I do think it works very well, and it should be on. It should be number ten on the five hundred best albums of all time. For the impact it had, I do think so. Yes. How about you, Al? Personally, how do you feel? Uh, personally, I know I think it's a, a. I think it's a great record, and you know, you know, one or two songs here and there, notwithstanding, it was a huge influence at the time it was part of a movement it was perhaps the spearhead of that tendency to take hip-hop and add the the live instrumentation and and to be to go into different places emotionally and spiritually with hip-hop that again was there but not as popular and and so you can't uh, ignore that i would i also agree with mike that it's timeless uh, you know, the historicity of it is important, but if that's all it has, like that kind of stuff kind of leaves me cold in the end. You know, that's why I don't really listen to the doors that much. They were groundbreaking, but, eh. hmm. um, so, but I would listen, I would, I will and have, con- I will continue to listen to this record. I, I like it a lot. And I agree that I, I will too. Cause I, I added it to my iPod. I, and I, I'm going to keep it on there. And you know what? We're going to have listening parties with, with, with Mike and I. And I, I, Matt hasn't gone yet, but I don't think he's coming. No, I might. <laughs> I might take a, a pee break during that D'Angelo one. But Oh, well, that's we're going to get snacks during <laughs> Actually, it's long enough where you could take a longer break. Than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's long. Unless you had a lot to drink. <laughs> 
Well, I will I will say I do think it is uh, appropriate. The uh, accolades are appropriate, and it belongs on those those critical lists. Um, I will give a couple just caveats about it. I think it's a fabulous album. I think it's uh, again groundbreaking in its sound, but still old school. And, and and because of that, because of the, it draws from a lot of eras and draws from a lot of musical styles. It makes it timeless. And at the same time, it historically really opened up what could be considered hip hop and what could be popular. And it opened the doors for a lot of other artists to say, oh, I can I can do an album like this or I can, you know, hip hop can be this or, or whatever you want to call it. Maybe it doesn't even have to be called hip hop. Um, the caveats are I don't think the little classroom motif works at all. It bothers me that I have to sit there and listen to it. I'm glad these kids are talking about love. Great. I. I'm going to go to the next song. After I've heard it once, I'm like, well, okay, I don't need to. So that, that, that means I have to do a little bit of an effort in my life. So it bothers me. No. Um, so I just think that motif doesn't really add up to much in the end. I think opening it with it is great. It makes it a it frame, puts a framework on the album and the theme. And then now just put those songs that are the result of your miseducation. Uh, and maybe at the end you do it again. I don't know. Again, I'm not the producer. Um, <laughs> No, you're not. I am not. No, no. you're definitely because it sounds good. Um, because if we were doing this podcast with Lauren Hill, it'd be a lot more. Well, we get more. We get yeah. more listeners. We get more downloads. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you right now, he'd give it a higher score. Yeah. <laughs> if Lauren Hill were here, yeah. <laughs> this is the best album I've ever heard, Lauren. <laughs> um, Sycophant. And I think the religious messaging, just for me on certain songs, left me like, oh, okay, I don't, maybe it feels prescript. Maybe it feels pedantic or uh, preachy but it doesn't do much for me um but the music and the production spot on uh the bass and drum grooves are just fabulous yes they're to die for they're just great um and very awesome in general i have a note uh and even though the songs in themselves don't develop much again it's more of a vibe you get into it it's all good so yes that's our, uh, that's our, uh, that's our verdicts on that one. So I think you should get out if you haven't heard this album, um, which maybe you haven't heard the whole thing. Take a listen and uh, see what you think. What else? Do you have anything else you want to talk about with this? I'm good. I guess I would say one last thing, which is when we're talking about the lyrical content. You know, because you've mentioned a few times, like the religious stuff isn't doing much for you. I and I get that. Um, it doesn't bother me. Lyrically, there's like the meaning behind what she's saying, which does sometimes get moralizing and a little bit preachy. But her lyrical style, the way she writes, the way she weaves all those uh, that imagery in, I think that is poetic and beautiful. Yeah, she she is. Her delivery of her lyrics are never bad. And her choices for the layering of the lyrics, whether it's, oh, I'm going to do a little rap thing, or I'm going to do a, a soul R&B sing over it, or, or, you know, or something. The choices are impeccable. To Alan's point about the lyrics, um, I think that she has some of the most clever lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, the way she puts certain phrases together. Um... Are brilliant, honestly. Uh, I think that's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Gen Explainers podcast. Follow us on Instagram and friend us on Facebook. Just search for Gen Explainers. See you next time. <laughs>